The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP at John Paz. And with me today is a very special guest. You may know him from UK's Big Brother, of course, from the nitty-gritty dirt show right here on Vince Russo's The Brand, the one and only Billy Bobby. Billy, welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing today, sir? Not too bad. I mean, I'm I'm on medication because of my broken leg um, still, and some of that stuff is has some horrendous side effects. But you're catching me a better time now than you were supposed to do it last night, and um, I was I was waking up to do that show because um, these these drugs they knock me out these blood thinners knock me out. But you're catching me now before I've taken the worst one. So yeah, it's a much Good. better time. Yeah, Good. of course you got podcasts on a pole. You've got uh, lock betting. You got soccer gambling, sports gambling. You got so much going on. So what's uh, what's been going on with you? You've been keeping very very busy. Yeah, still, still busy. Uh, it was a shame because the um, the net the last month was supposed to be a massive expansion period where we were going to introduce video bets and and things through this um, this sponsorship deal over on a sports gambling podcast that they've got with a company called Blue Wire. But I didn't do my videos because I can't stand up. Um, so so yeah, um, I, I didn't do those. But still, it was a really massive month. I was doing a podcast every day for the Euro 2020 competition, along with the Copa America. And generally this time of year, we have the end of the NBA. We have the tennis with Wimbledon, and that comes off the back of the French Open as well. So yeah, over at Lockbang, it's been really, really busy uh, for our clients. And then obviously wrestling is all year round. So you do your normal amount of wrestling content. Uh, we do the, I do the data sheets with Cav. Uh, I do the nitty gritty show with Vince. And then we have podcasts on a poll every month as well. We're now up to july 1997 for those people that don't understand the format that we introduced so we're in the year july 2021 obviously but the podcast that we released this month was just the solely sole focus on july 1997 so i'm gonna have to let my dog out in a second uh, because <laughs> i'm just gonna let him roam three i thought he'd be quieter in the in the in his little cage thing but he's not um so yeah it's it's 2021 in real life but in our podcast it's july 1997 and last month we did June 97 and the month before we did May 97. So 
we're covering the Monday Night War on a month-to-month basis. We are fully covering one month at a time. So next month, we'll look at August and we'll make the comparisons of WWE, WWF, WCW, Nitro, Raw, etc. And we'll look at what the mindset was in terms of managing the ratings and what the what we were putting on television and why and what plans were supposed to happen and what plans were cancelled and where the pushback was and what certain guys were like. So, yeah, we're going to talk about all of that. Great show. I love it because you go into detail. You guys really do your homework. You got all that stuff down. I love going back because you know, Vince basically starts around you know, 97, right, really. Let me, let me, I've got a puppy. Yeah. Let, me, let me let him out because I think it will be better if yeah. he's just roaming free. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Beautiful look at uh, Billy's nice place there. There's the the pup. This is the source of the uh, of the noise. Yes, I thought it would be better if he was in his thing, but he's not. He wants to. I thought it was a squeaky chair at first, but it was the puppy. Nice. No, no. But uh, great to know as far as the detail you guys go into and really kind of dig deep into (laughs) Vince's run as the you know the head booker, the writer, if you will, in in WWF '97. Yeah, no, no one's done it really in that in that sense because there's obviously. Um, infamous or famous, depending on your outlook, di- um, incidents where, um, where you know the WCW side of things with Hogan leaving at Bash at the Beach and and all of these things where Vince is more asked about <coughs> what he did on screen as opposed to being in the background of a lot of this Attitude Era stuff. And obviously, there's the main stuff, but no one knows how involved he was in in creating Foley, Rock, Austin, uh, Shawn Michaels in terms of producing those people and giving those characters their lines and stories and what he wrote and what he didn't write and and all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that comes out about WCW. In fact, there's books written about it, but there isn't too much done in terms of, and we will do WCW on our side of things as well, but we will go through it on a month-to-month, week-by-week basis in terms of really breaking down the mindset behind some of those decisions. But this WWF part is important because Without this, you don't get the job there. You don't get to be hailed as the savior of WCW and the man that's coming in to save the company if you don't save WWF first. And that's what a lot of people don't focus on because obviously there's this wrestling narrative out there now with um, a lot of snowflakery, a lot of social justice warriors, a lot of journalists who want to influence what you watch and what you don't watch because I believe some of them are being paid by certain companies to have certain opinions that are favorable. Um, Vince doesn't really do that. And he's never really, you know, been, been on that side of the fence. So his legacy has kind of been tarnished by, by people unnecessarily. So this kind of, you know, proves to you if, if, if the, the graphic of lines going in an upward direction with everything that Vince has been involved in doesn't seem to be enough, even though it's actual fact that if you upload any graph, with Vince Russo as a writer, it moves in an upward trajectory everywhere from Raw to, to Nitro or to TNA as well. But if that's not enough for you, then we'll explain the the month to month, week to week breakdown of of the ideas and how things are written. Yeah, it's a very it's a very detailed show and something that we wanted to do for a long time. It's interesting that people don't realize, like, okay, Austin loves the guy, The Rock loves the guy, Foley loves the guy, Goldust and him used to, I don't know if they're about it anymore, but they used to get along great. These are some of the biggest names ever in the history of the business. They love collaborating with him. They love working with him. So it's kind of a weird thing to hear some people like whoever, the Young Bucks, whoever of today, like, I didn't like working with him. It's just an interesting dynamic. Rock and Austin kind of are a good thing to put on the resume. Yeah, that's it. And then he'll always, he'll always have that. So it's good to, like, kind of heart back on it. I mean, sometimes we do feel 
that because this narrative's out there, the show gets ignored because on every episode, there is like groundbreaking stuff from the very beginning where we kind of said that there was some serious doubts about Vince and Linda's marriage and they never seemed like a real couple and it seemed like a business relationship. Like that for me is a big story, but there's a reluctance from the, the dirt sheets and the usual people that are out there, the perceived wrestling media that isn't too much coverage about podcasts on a poll. We do decent numbers, but it all comes from uh, self-promotion, word of mouth, things like that. We're not getting any free publicity from the, the dirt sheets like people like Conrad Thompson have had because, you know, he's he falls in line with that group. He's very much um, promoting the Wrestling Observer every week. His whole podcast with Bruce Pritchard is like, well, Meltzer said, well, Meltzer said, well, if you're using Meltzer's stories from back then as historical fact, then that's going to only increase the number of buyers that that got that that, that the wrestling observer is going to obtain. Whereas we don't do anything like that. We don't quote Meltzer, and we don't think that Meltzer or anybody is is the gospel. We we talk about what we see on TV and ask Vince, what were you thinking here, or what was going on here? It's, it's very much simplified without going into that dirt sheet format and giving them too much clout and credibility and importance. Uh, and I think that's why, in return they don't really cover our podcast and, and we are reliant upon word of mouth and things like that. So were you a, a big fan back then? Are you kind of reliving the, uh, the attitude ever, the, the Monday Night Wars? Yeah, I was, um, I was in my last year of school um, when, when, when that was all beginning or, or depending on when you de declare it starts. So uh, really, so yeah, I was, um, when did I take my exams? Jesus. Um, yeah, I think I was just coming up to like my final. So year, year, I don't know what you call it in the US, but we call it year 10 and year 11. Um, so you start this, you, you go to like junior school and then you start um, senior school at year seven. So it's like, yeah, we call it like, year, yeah, yeah so like whatever, uh, high school. And then you go yeah. into the college and junior college, whatever you. Yeah, yeah. So you do five years, you do five years at a high school. So yeah, it was bang in the middle of um my my high school time when it was when it was at its peak so yeah i mean um for for, for us where everybody all of a sudden you did see this emergence of austin stuff and and all and um and the rock stuff and everything uh rock austin debates and everything and the thing is i just come from um when i was a lot younger than that it had been like a full 10 years it had been honestly like a full 10 years from when i was in just starting school and it was, and I was five, six years old, and it was like, who do you like better, Warrior or Hogan? And then it was like, who do you like better, Rock or Austin? So it was a full decade in between. But it was, yeah, it was weird because I started school with that debate and then finished school with the with the Austin-Rock debate. But there was a middle period where nobody was watching it. Did you ever watch WCW? Were you a WCW fan, especially during the NWO era? Yeah, I think I would watch anything that I could, anything that I can get. Uh, so, like, we had WCW here. I knew what channel it was on, so yeah, I did. I did make an attempt to to watch it as much as I can. Um, this is pre uh, Monday Night War is pre DVR, so you had to record on videotapes yeah. and go back and watch it. So yeah, we did. We did that. We did that with them, um, and and I, I found myself um, at one point. I, I remember um, wanting to just keep everything, and then it was getting to the point where I had a ridiculous collection of of videos and decided it wasn't it wasn't feasible and then i don't know if you had this in the states but we had this thing with videos where if you pull the tab out you can't record over them anymore it's mm -hmm. like yep. you, you know you have that okay so yeah but then i had to go over and stick over 
all of my video tabs again because there was no way to ever go back and watch all of this wrestling. We didn't know there'll be WWE, uh, WWF, or we said WWE Network again at that point in time. So yeah, we have access to everything, albeit with um, some social justice content removed and um, different music removed because obviously the the music rights haven't been fully secured. So it's not the full on experience. I think the the one time that was really ruined for me was when we were going back and watching um, our wrestle. We do it every year. We do like, uh, we go back and watch some WrestleManias. And I saw that the, the finish of WrestleMania 17 has been changed where Austin turns heel and all of that. Um, I, I need to, all that's where Austin's getting really irate. He's going, um, I can't beat this motherfucker and all this, this motherfucker won't stay down. All that stuff you can clearly lip read has been taken out. So you're not getting the feel at all of how desperate Austin is to beat The Rock. So I, I don't know why you have to take that out. I don't want to take anything out. I'm not, I'm very anti-social justice, very anti-cancel culture anyway. Um, I've not, as much as I'm working with Vince and I work on the Sports Gambling podcast and I go on Conan's show and I am getting opportunities again from back in 2017 where they wanted to fully cancel me and I lost my verified Twitter account. Um, I've not changed my content. I didn't turn around and go, oh, you know, we better, like, if we want to get back in the picture, back in the big time, um, we need to call it down. We need to stop talking about this. We need to stop talking about that. We need to tone down our opinions. In my mind, although, like, times were, like, financially not as, as good, uh, uh, in 2018, 2019, I always thought that it would come full circle. I always thought people would get sick of this shit and they would actually then crave, there would be a market for people that hadn't turned social justice, that hadn't turned their content into something that was friendly for everybody, but in also friendly for everybody is also often boring for everybody or boring for some people as well. Not everybody wants this. Not everybody wants to see what Ryan Satin does where he sucks up to every wrestler that comes on his show and, and gives the same stylistic type of interview all the time. Some people do want a real opinion and some people do, do, do you know, some people are fans from the attitude era and they do remember this when you could do more risque storylines and say things that you wanted to say. And we still, we still crave that, although not realistically think ever expecting it to come back. But we also always are looking for, even when I talk to Vince, we're always looking for little ways where, all the content could be a little bit more adult orientated under a PG umbrella. We feel that there's no effort on the WWE's part at all to to try and like um, raise the raise the maturity level of the content. And them taking stuff off the pay per views. Obviously, the music. I guess there's rights, but still stinks to have to take it off. But I hate when they take off stuff. Even Piper when he did the half blackface with uh, Banish Brand WrestleMania. Yeah. I hate taking it off because you're not getting the complete show. If I'm a historian and I'm a huge fan and a huge historian, if I'm watching the show, I want to watch the complete freaking show. I don't want things cut off. I don't care. If I don't like it, I'll fast forward it or I'll skip yeah. over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's John, do you dumb. remember do you know who it was that left everything on but they put the disclaimer up saying this this was wrong, this is wrong now, but it was also wrong then. But we understand that, but we still want to show it. I right. Think, is it Disney Plus? I think awesome. it was Disney Plus that does that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why we couldn't get that. Yeah. Makes no sense. You don't need to scrub it off. And even when they were taking Benoit off stuff, I'm like, why is this show like 12 minutes shorter than it's supposed to be? Like, he was there historically. We know he was there. Keep him on the show. Just, I don't know. I, I hate all that stuff. It's so stupid. 
Yeah, you go to WrestleMania 20 and Undertaker and Kane is a two-hour match. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a main event, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I, I, I just don't get that stuff. I don't get why people get get a you know a, their kicks off of the canceling stuff. It's very, very, very uh, silly. If you don't like something, don't watch it. Don't fast-forward it, skip it, whatever. You could put the disclaimer on the bottom of the screen, but I just hate how they, they take some of the stuff off. Thank God. I, I took all my video, videotapes I used to have, and I converted them years ago to DVD, so I still have the DVDs, and I still have a DVD player. So if I want to watch a full show, I'll just pull it out of my, my closet, and I'll, I'll watch the whole show. Yeah, I still got all the videos, but I believe that they're they have like a a monetary value in their original like VHS cassettes and everything. Oh, you know, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, I'm keeping all of that stuff here. There's a lot around this around this flat. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff. You like nostalgia? There's actually I don't know if I can pull this around to there. But there's actually the uh, the game the original like gaming console in the corner here. You can oh, see. Yeah. Yeah. Can you get close to that? Yep. The WrestleMania, by where the just by the belt, yeah. There's a WrestleMania. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. The WrestleFest, sorry, WrestleFest, the WrestleFest games over there in the yes. corner. Yeah, yes, that's nice. Fun. Yeah, very cool. So you were always a big fan. That's why you like covering the business. Because it's funny, like UK, uh, Big Brother, reality star, but you're covering wrestling. Like, it's interesting. That big of a fan, huh? Well, yes, yes, and yes, and no. I think, um, I think now, I feel a loyalty to it. I feel like a it's a bit of a habit. I cannot say that I've enjoyed an episode of Raw for a while, um, but we do have our, our podcast, and uh, I do have a son, and you know we are all hopeful that this programming improves so that it doesn't become so it becomes less of a routine and uh, a habit, and more as something that I want to enjoy doing. Yes, obviously we have the occasional episodes of SmackDown, and there'll be hype this weekend for Money in the Bank, Return of Fans. Uh, I'll have a couple of guys over. Uh, my son will um, will be tired at school on Monday because I'll put him to bed at 8 p.m. and he'll agree that he'll go to sleep straight away so that I can wake him up at 1 a.m. to watch the baby view. And he ne- <laughs> and he never does like he's always like just messing about in his room. But but yeah, we 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 do do that. So there'll still be like a lot of hype around it, and I still want it to be good. But it's difficult to call yourself. Um, a fan of it because when you see stuff on there like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and um, the way I mean Drew McIntyre is a, a friend of mine and to take him from being a an act that was organically over to going backwards in terms of giving him a sword and a kilt and giving him these very hokey um, historical promos as if he was a character as if he was Braveheart basically um, doesn't make much sense to me. So I, I find it difficult to say that I support that. But yeah, I mean, through the years, um, I, I've, I've attended 15 WrestleManias. Um, I have a ton of merchandise. There's 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 merchandise all over here, all over this flat that's signed. Um, it's a lot more in storage than it has been in previous properties that I've lived in. Um, there were times over the years, uh, say 10 years ago, where I'd have it all out. It would be very much a case of you know if um if if i had girls coming over i wouldn't i wouldn't care i would be like look you have to accept me as a as a wrestling fan it's the it's maybe the only uncool thing i do the, the unperceived uncool thing that i do so whereas like i mean at the time i was obviously on and off television um i was working as a club promoter as well so these are things that have a perceived cool factor to them but then you come to my flats and there's a lot of wrestling toys around 
Um, so it's a bit of a a weird dichotomy where I'm I, I'm I'm doing perceived cool jobs in terms of p- appearing on television for uh, Big Brother and other shows that I was doing, and obviously working as a, as a as a club promoter, running my own nights in London, and then you come back here and there's a lot of wrestling stuff around. But I mean that that this that is not the case as much anymore. You can see behind me there's. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, things like yep. that. My, my tastes are a bit more like diverse. I'm not as into it as 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 I was. But the thing is, my my viewership, my viewing my viewing hours is not dipped. But through the through the enjoyment of, of the, the the content being less, um, it's difficult to like justify put, putting having all of that stuff up. So, and it was always and there was always a point where I stopped buying it. I think around about 2014, 2015, there isn't, I mean, my son, Austin, he has a corner in his room where there's a lot of new stuff where there's, you know, a lot of shield stuff, uh, senior stuff, Roman reigns. Um, he's got, you know, Drew McIntyre stuff by Drew McIntyre. So he, he still in, he, he got into it around about 2013. So he didn't know a better time, but for me, it hasn't been that great. And the worst part for me is seeing him losing interest already because, I mean, this this product has served me for about 31 years where I, I've watched it, albeit, you know, the last three, four years, very with some difficulties and and through loyalty and habit. Uh, but but there have been times, you know, you know, when I talk to Vince, he's very much like the one thing I disagree with him is when he says the product was dead after the Attitude Era. I don't agree with that. Uh, I've enjoyed CM to when they pushed CM Punk. I enjoyed when they were forced to push Daniel Bryan. Uh, I enjoyed era, times of the ruthless aggression era. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing Randy Orton become a star. Uh, I enjoyed seeing Dave Batista become a star. Uh, I enjoyed that back and forth with with John Cena. Even though I always wanted him to lose. It was good to like always go to arenas and and have a very firm. Um, a, a very firm side that you're on in terms of, I hate Cena. I want him to lose. I'm sick of this shit, but then he would win and you'd be angry, but you'd at least you'd have an emotion. Like at least you'd come out of WrestleMania annoyed that he'd beaten Shawn Michaels and, and Triple H at 22 and 23. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I did really care and I did really think that these were, these were decent errors. Um, we also had the peak of the streak um, after the attitude era like way after the Attitude Era as well. And I and I felt that that was a an amazing thing that they did. So I I do agree that the Attitude Era was the best time, but I don't agree that it was the end of it. I don't, I don't agree that we haven't had anything since. Um, obviously, during the pandemic, it's very, very difficult. But I also felt like, and this is the optimistic thinking possibly, I also feel like WrestleMania 36, before it was in a performance center, I felt like it was going to be good. Um, I felt like, they did the right thing with Drew and Brock. And I feel like that, that coronation would have been good. I was into um, Wyatt getting his revenge over Cena in, in, before it was a Firefly Funhouse match. Um, Undertaker was supposed to face AJ. Uh, Roman was supposed to face Goldberg. I, I thought all of this stuff was pretty decent. And I felt that was a well put together mania card. Um, even with Shayna Baszler was supposed to beat Becky Lynch on that show. Um, and, you know, get her up and running and end Lynch's like one year run. So there's a lot of stuff they were going to do that they didn't get to do. So it tells me like at any any given point that they can, um, you know, if, if you haven't given up on it, there's still hope that they can kind of uh, get you interested again by doing a thing or two. And it's in that sense, that almost sounds like a, a, an abusive relationship. It's kind of like 
the man who treats his wife like crap the whole marriage and then he brings her flowers or gets her some tickets to something or takes her on holiday and then all of a sudden it's like okay we're cool again that is my relationship with wrestling it's an abusive relationship where they treat me like crap for most of the time but if they do something nice for me i'll be happy to forgive them for a few weeks so yeah that's that's kind of it in a nutshell yeah, really. And it's just funny, like the way things have happened, like, OK, the pandemic happened. They really did nothing for a year. They, they were pretty terrible. The Thunderdome, you know, there's really nothing going on. So now we're building up to is, is well, live crowds, really. But is Becky Lynch coming back? Is Goldberg coming back? Like what's going on? What's the latest on all this? Because Becky looks in phenomenal shape. She's looking great. What, what did you think about? Uh, do you feel like the pandemic was kind of a case of um with they deserve credit for for being for managing to find ways to stick around whereas everybody else took their break or do you feel that it was creatively lazy because you were doing a pre-tape show they did a lot a lot of in-ring especially in the performance center and i just felt like this was an opportunity to shoot a load of like hokey backstage stuff like to do sit down interviews to do more like angles where you know you, you took it away from a wrestling ring like you could back in the day i remember just stupid shit like they would go to a sushi restaurant and yokozuna would eat like 20 pounds of food uh with with mean jeans sitting there you know they were cooking up the the beef and the steaks and they were pretending that he would eat it all in fact on the yokozuna documentary recently they said that he actually ate a lot of that food he actually ate a ridiculous yeah. amount of that food like they were telling him like you know you don't have to like we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to create an illusion here. But actually, Yoko was eating a lot more. But you know, just just stuff like that, um, DIY with the bushwhackers and Lord Alfred Hayes. I remember all this stuff. I remember, you know, just a lot of the stuff they did on primetime wrestling, actually. And I just think that they could have like gone back to that during this time where they're in the pandemic and done a very different type of wrestling show. But they didn't. They just went back to the whole in-ring thing. And I felt like it was an opportunity wasted. I feel. Yeah, okay, you kept us around. We were desperate to watch something. There was no sports. So at least there was Raw and SmackDown every week. But I also feel like they did nothing with it. They were not, they were completely creatively redundant. I thought totally creatively bankrupt. I mean, just didn't do anything. Remember a few years ago when they had that really bad storm and they had to do Raw and they taped it from literally the uh, Stanford? Yeah, with, with the, with the that, Heyman, Heyman Roman thing. Yeah, yeah cool. like that was cool. Like, that's what I thought we were going to get more of because, okay, we have to be, I think, out of the box. We have to film these random promos. We have to go to these random places. I thought we'd get more of that. But instead, we got just overly done 15 minute boring matches where you know charlotte's going to be whoever and just it just the matches are way too long it was horrible creatively horrible i don't know who's you know responsible if they did it on purpose just to like oh we don't really need to do anything you know and, we're and, making and, so much money from usa who fox who cares and creatively they, they were on the right track for a bit like it seemed like their creative juices only had two weeks of um energy in it because it was like we did see undertaker in a in a graveyard and he cut that promo where he said Alan Jones, seeing as we're like shooting now, where he, where he said, uh, where he was talking about his wife and everything like that. And and then we had, I believe, Edge cutting one and Kevin Owens cutting one, and they were cutting them on the stage at a performance center. A load of guys cut some really good promos before WrestleMania 36. And then we came back and it was a case of something happened, I think, where Vince was just like, we're stuck with this shit. Like, I just want to, we're just going to put on our shows. We're just going to get through it. And automatically when we come back, the fans will come back and we're ready to take a, a ratings hit with it. So 
I was disappointing that the perceived creative genius, which is Heyman, who was who who didn't didn't have any pushback on that and um, didn't fight Vince on that, and to the point where he ended up being the scapegoat for it. So obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of their discussions. I don't. My news isn't isn't to that level where I know how hard Heyman was fighting privately in a room with Vince. Like I don't have secret cameras. But um, but I, I was disappointed by by how little they did, and and I also don't necessarily believe that that mindset of when the fans come back, we're okay. We just need to ride this out. Performance Center, Thunderdome, we just got to ride it out, and everybody will be back. I don't. How are you getting them back this week? I don't know how you're automatically doing that. I mean, yeah, you can, you know, you can bring The Rock back, you can bring John Cena back for a week or two. And all of a sudden, you get the the boost of that. But how do you keep these people? Is it is it just these as simple as simple as we don't want to watch it in a performance center, we don't want to watch it in the Thunderdome. Uh, once live crowds are there, we're we're going to be completely interested in your twenty three minute matches that go across two ad breaks between two guys that don't have a storyline together. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to work. Definitely not. So, what are what are the plans? Is Cena do back? I'm hearing. From everybody who claims that they have the story first, but who who knows who truly has the story first? But is Cena on his way back? I had the story first. Um, I uh, with uh, with that being the main event for SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I put I, I announced it on Vince's show a long time ago. Yeah, it's going to be John Cena and Roman Reigns. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on how they are supposed to get there because the the main there was never a doubt in my mind that that was going to be the main event. Um, but Vince, Vince really wanted to simplify the way he did it. So, um, he wanted John Cena back on the first SmackDown back, which is this Friday. Now that hasn't been announced or, or, or advertised. So that is odd if they're going to bring Cena back as a surprise. I'm not hundred percent sure that they will, but the way Vince wanted to do things was to have the very, very simple route of Cena winning the money in the bank and deciding that. He wanted to cash that in, um, not behind Roman's back, but as a as 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 a forward date being SummerSlam. So he wanted to say, "I'm cashing in, and I'm and I want the match at SummerSlam." So this got a lot a lot of pushback, particularly from the Raw writing team, who haven't been given anything as of late. There's call ups that they want from NXT, uh, particularly Finn Balor, and Raw haven't got that. Uh, Raw were lobbying for the the money in the bank in terms of having a a proper money in the bank winner. Last year it went to Otis and uh, went to Oscar. Oscar immediately cashed in because Becky Belt was in the briefcase. Otis was a bit of a joke. Uh, we then had Miz over, and obviously the plans with Miz were limited. So they wanted to have a a, a proper money in the bank winner on their show, and I believe that they will that they could win that argument. Because I believe what we're seeing is um, a storyline where Bobby Lashley destroys the New Day with Kofi and Woods. And I believe that if Big E has the briefcase, he will end up going to Raw in the, in the, in the draft. And then he will be over to avenge what happens to the New Day. I, that's not a story, though. That's just how I think they'll, they'll end up doing it. But I, I feel like eventually, whether it be Riddle, whether it be Big E, I can't see any other winners, to be honest. Um, I do think that they'll win out that argument. I do think that Vince will be talked down in terms of giving Cena the money in the back briefcase and cashing that in at SummerSlam and then not having a money in the bank holder for the entire year again. 
It doesn't make any sense, especially with how how compelling your intentions are to make this TV uh, in terms of trying to get your ratings back. Raw's really low. SmackDown's even at 1.8 as of late, 1.77, I believe. Um, so you need to have compelling television. There's talks of uh, more Raw roulette, uh, more old school Raws, um, King of the Ring tournaments on TV. So these are all things that they that they want to do, which which tells me that they really do care and they really are concerned about bringing these fans back and they really do want to start seeing some twos and threes on their on their ratings. So the television is going to be very important. The other story uh, that, I, that, that was out there was that Cena wasn't going to do SummerSlam because of the movie. The only issue with that would be um, is if Cena can't do the televisions to build up the SummerSlam because... Um, the idea is for Cena to come in is to is to help the ratings, not just to help SummerSlam as a whole. But from what I understanding is, is that the filming schedule doesn't coincide massively in terms of a point where Cena will get involved with the filming. And the film studio are aware of his commitments and there are no insurance issues. So you'd be looking at missing one or maybe even no SmackDowns at all. So I think there's enough there for WWE to just say we're going to go, we're going to proceed with SummerSlam, and we're not going to let a, a, a couple of um, filming dates disrupt, disturb us. What about Brock Lesnar? I know he's got his ponytail and he's cutting meat and he's a butcher and doing all this other stuff. See, do back at all because I know they're going to probably have to pay him upwards of twelve million dollars a year to return. Uh, that's not his salary. Where did you get that one from? I don't know. I was reading it online from everywhere saying that he probably ended up making, I think it was 12 million last year. One of the sites, I don't even remember which one, but it was on, you know, they copy and paste each other. It was on a bunch of them that he ended up making like 12 million or something, his last run. Yeah. That would depend on what he is merchandise sold. So hmm. we're one of the only sites that um, have ever had the, the real story on Brock Lesnar's deal. Um, I find it so funny when, when Dave Meltzer did a story a few it was uh, about six, seven months ago. No, it was, yeah, it was. It was like last year's SummerSlam. So yeah, it was a year ago now. Jesus, um, it was a year ago where, where Dave Meltzer was saying that his merchandising deal was had run out, um, and that and that they were his contract had expired and his merchant and his merchandising deal had run out. Well, they don't have merchandising deals. That's not what they. That's not what they're called. Um, that's just um, Dave Meltzer being in his wrestling bubble and 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 making up things. So the real story was, and I'll and I'll go back to the beginning with Brock. It won't, it won't take as long as you think. Um, in 2012, when they desperately wanted him to come in and do three matches, that was his biggest flat rate contract of $5 million to do those three matches. Um, he renewed that contract for one more year at $3 million instead of $5 million. And they, they, you know, there was an agreement with the two that, you know, you, your value is obviously diminished. The 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 first the first contract is obviously going to be bigger, but we're still willing to offer you three million to do one more year. And it's easy work for Brock, so he stayed around and did and did the the extra year as well. So when we got to um, uh, when we got to two thousand and fourteen, that looked like it was going to be the end of it. But then that got renewed for for the same value at the three million again. And this is when you saw The Undertaker beaten. So we had three contracts, a five million, a three million, and a three million, all all like re-upped for one more year, with the idea being that they were not going to keep Brock Lesnar after 2015 
because it was a big contract to pay out and Roman Reigns would be ready and he would beat Rock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31. Well, we all know that didn't happen. And we all know that two days before WrestleMania 31, Brock Lesnar was touted to be in negotiations with both WWE and UFC. And ESPN announced that Brock Lesnar has signed for the WWE for three years. So that was his that was his biggest commitment to the WWE. So he signed for the three years all the way up to 2018, which was from WrestleMania 31 to 34. That, again, was a $9 million deal, so $3 million again. He was happy with that $3 million. So to catch you up, he made $5 million in his first year, and then he made $3 million a year. And that's his guarantee as well, all the way up until uh, 2018. But that doesn't account for merchandising. That doesn't account for bonuses. And it doesn't account for Saudi Arabia at all, who, who pay names individually uh, based on who they want to come. So then what happened was, is at the end of 2018, we all think it's done. I even, even my sources, we all think it's done. He didn't beat, he didn't lose to Roman at, at 31. He will lose to Roman at 34, obviously. Like they're not going to put Brock over again. And then they did. So what happened here was, is that basically Vince decided to put over Lesnar and to, and Lesnar had agreed to a rematch in Saudi Arabia and that was it. So he was just going to win at WrestleMania for the shock value. And then he was going to go to Saudi Arabia where he knew he'd get a massive payoff and put Roman there. Somewhere in between that, they decided to get to SummerSlam and to beat Roman again. And the idea at this point was, is that Brock would sign for one year again on a image rights deal, which is actually what it's called. It's not called a merchandising deal. It's called an image rights deal. And Brock Lesnar's image rights deal is half a million dollars a year. And the image rights deal gives you the right to put Brock anywhere that you want, on a T-shirt, program, chair, anything that you want. You say that you have Brock Lesnar. You, you have the Brock Lesnar entity, and therefore the Brock Lesnar entity is not allowed to represent anybody else without your permission. So you own Brock Lesnar in even without, and Brock Lesnar doesn't have to come, and Brock Lesnar doesn't owe you anything. So with the image rights deal, you own the name and the face, but it doesn't account for him coming into work for even one minute. So the half a million that they agreed to was just a case of, we don't know how long we're going to keep you. We don't know how long we're going to use you. We don't know if we want to pay you $3 million again, but would you pay half a million? Would you take half a million just so we can print t-shirts and use your image and for you not to go and work for somewhere else? Because, and Brock just took it because he's not going to win any UFC fights at his 40 years old. So, what ended up happening was, is obviously with Roman getting the, the cancer and everything, that coming back, is that Brock ended up staying around and working a hell of a lot more on that new deal. So it was half a million image rights, half a million per pay-per-view performance, uh, pay-per-view, and a hundred grand for a Raw. And this dude was piling up the cash, doing a hundred grand Raws and half a million pay-per-views. And when we came round to that year being up on the image rights deal, Brock now only renews for image rights. So there is no more $3 million a year, $5 million a year, um, three-year contracts with Brock Lesnar. It's you pay him for one year to, to for his face. That costs you half a million. Brock will take a hundred grand for a raw and he'll take half a million for a pay-per-view. And then he'll obviously take his merchandise deals on the side. Because according to whoever Brock, Brock's representatives are, the WWE will break that 
emergency glass of Brock Lesnar more times than they think that they're going to need to. Um, so yeah, that that's the current deal that he's on. So it differentiates from where, what he was up to, on between 2012 and 2018. Now, nobody knows this. Uh, nobody else talks about the Brock deal like this. Nobody has this story. And I'm surprised because, and this is the thing, it's like I broke it down very concisely and broke it down on so many platforms, but these these dirt sheets they don't they don't quote us from um, because because we won't you know we won't go to we 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 haven't been in bed with them since we started. We've been very much like an, an anti dirt sheet where a lot of the stuff we did initially, possibly to our detriment, but for me, my main money comes from LockBetting.com. So when I came into the industry at first, when I was doing my podcast, then we had this secondary idea where it started um, in 2014, where Meltzer was completely wrong about CM Punk returning in Chicago. So at that point, the Dirty Sheets kind of became a platform where we would laugh at the others and our style would just be to go, well, that's going to be wrong and that's going to be wrong and that's going to be wrong and he's going to be wrong about that. And we threw in a couple of corrections here and there. That's where it, where it started. And then obviously from that point where we were working with Wrestling Inc. and we had our own website and we're coming on board with Vince, now we will start giving out a lot more exclusives and doing a lot more of our own news uh, as opposed to originally telling people that so-and-so was going to be completely wrong. So when uh, when Dave when Dave said that SummerSlam 2017 was going to be uh, Roman versus Brock Lesnar, for example, and we knew it was going to be a fatal four-way, we would just wait for we would we would often our stories would just be correcting Dave. When Dave got the Royal Rumble winner wrong in 2017, when it was Goldberg. We were the ones saying that's going to be wrong. It's going to be Randy Orton, and that particular one actually caught the eyes of a lot of people. And that's when I was offered a job from Sports Kida and 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 various places were after me because it was like, how did you know? How on earth did you get Randy Orton in 2017? Because you have to think at this point, Randy Orton in 2017, that character's like 15 years old, and he doesn't he doesn't need to win a Royal Rumble, and he didn't need to win that Royal Rumble at all. And uh, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar was pretty much a lock. So that's what Meltzer does sometimes. He, th- he he watches the TV. He thinks that something looks like a lock and then he reports it as fact and news and he gets stung on it all the time. Uh, whereas we actually talk to some real people and get real information. And then uh, one of the things we do on our service is that we allow our betting customers to profit from the wrestling, from the information that we have. The, the betting customers are always their priority and they'll get the news first and the information first over um, people paying the, the lower level Patreon price for the wrestling news. Do you remember what happened with the, the punk news and who fed him that information? No, I don't. I just, I just, oh. I just, I just knew he wasn't coming back. I, I so, knew he reported it. And I so knew when they, back. when they played his theme song, Heyman came out. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, Heyman told him punk's coming out. So everyone gets their eyes uh, on the show and it's Heyman. So to me, Heyman had to have fed him that news and he like, Kind of baited him, I guess, a little bit to me, anyway, because he's been known to be, you know, the guy who feeds Meltzer news for for a long time. I didn't know that. So on the Chicago show uh, in 2014, Heyman, when he was representing Brock Lesnar, came out to Punk's music, 
From what I remember, yes. Okay. The music hit, and then he came out, and he goes, "Ah," and he he was the big, he was the big heel or whatever. So to me, somebody told him that they were playing punk's music or something, and Heyman must have said, "Oh, he, I mean, he must be coming back." So everyone has their attention on that show, and then Heyman ends up being the focal point. So Heyman, you know, he's been known to be uh, somewhat of a of a guy who will give up some news, a leaker, I guess you could say. Yeah, and that's the thing with Dave. Like my my burial of him has never been hate fueled. It's just been a case of just sort of indicating that these guys are wrong. Like, and I understand that that Meltzer for me, Meltzer's the originator of bringing this news out. Mm-hmm. Meltzer's the originator of finding this market. It's like, oh shit, I can find out a little bit of inside information, and I can profit off this. I can have a profitable site. So he's the originator of the whole thing. So. You can never turn around and, and criticize him for finding a a way to make money, but the fact is, is that his information has been wrong for for a decade, and that's no longer what Dave Meltzer is about. Dave Meltzer is a guy, whether you like him or not, and I and I and I think his influence is very, very much over overrated. But you can't help it because wrestlers themselves, wrestlers that I know, are waiting for his rating, like so. He has navigated himself into a position of importance, and we're talking way back where uh, I understand that that Bret Hart would would sort of pin this pin the uh, success of his matches or or, or or the way his match or would evaluate his matches based on you know what Dave said. Even though Bret Hart is known not to necessarily like Dave Meltzer, um, he would still wait for the Meltzer rating in, in sort of as a affirmation as for how his match actually went in his and compared to how it was in his head uh, so that's crazy because that I mean that should be his legacy i think yeah okay so you hold people in they think you got some news but this star rating system that you created um is is the more significant thing and i feel that even the credibility of that has been destroyed with this relationship with aw and japan and his love for kenny omega and young bucks so and the young bucks so the only the only like lasting bit of credibility that he had and his legacy would have been the star system and how the wrestlers, how it was important to all wrestlers. And it is, uh, he did, he ruined it by giving out six, seven star matches to his friends. So that, that for me is, is, is the, is the shameful thing about Dave Meltzer. Now, as we hit the wind and we'll head towards the finish here, you've got so much going on. We're talking about news and stuff, but what's going on for the nitty gritty dirt show. Obviously one of the most popular shows on Russo's Patreon just constantly surprising Vince with news. Do you guys prepare beforehand? Like what's kind of the, the latest or you just say, Hey Vince, I'm going to talk about this and just be ready for it. Vince, Vince doesn't like to prepare for any show at all. Like we, <laughs> we, we, some, so we have this, um, so me and Cav always say over on podcasts and a poll, it's like the one thing that we, that we don't. So it, it's weird because it's a, it's a catch 22. we, wanted to do our show because we hate it when Bruce Pritchard makes up lies. He he always has an answer for every question, but most of the time it's not true. And in Russo's case, sometimes he'll flat out tell you, though, I don't know, bro, that wasn't my department. I wasn't involved in that. I wasn't involved with contracts. Uh, I don't know why Sid kept going on and off TV. Like, so, you know, sometimes we say to each other, it's like, damn, it would have been really great if we had an answer there. So we, we discussed like handing Vince the, the, the show questions, like the, the format, which me and Cav always have, we always have 15 to 20 in order. 
and then we cut them out you know if, if we're running out of time then we do you know they're prioritized essentially right and uh, color coordinated for me and him to ask the the questions that's how we do it so we've said to vince loads of times like do you want the do you want the notes or anything and he's like no bro i want to give him my like real answer i don't like to be prepared for anything i like to shoot on every show and that's the same with everything like he doesn't have my news um we don't have a format for the for the youtube show where we're coming on and, and the plugging stuff for free i mean we might talk through the week if there's a ridiculous story like this week i gave him a hilarious story about uh carrying cross and uh and scarlet well not hilarious if you're if you're carrying cross but just something that is close to home with vince because vince talks about a lot of the time about how the wrestlers are dirt bags and how you should never bring your woman to a wrestling uh, a wrestling uh, backstage area and how there was no loyalty and, and things. And Vince is very much high on that. I think, I believe it first came about when we were talking about the Randy Savage documentary and Vince said, I don't, I, if that's any of that's true, which I don't think he's, he goes, I don't even blame Savage for keeping his woman away from these animals. He goes, because they are animals. Uh, you know, say Brock Lesnar knew that Sable was married and he went after Sable while she was with Mark Merrill. Like, he's seen it. He's done it. He knows it. He's been in that area. He knows what happens. There's no... Marriage doesn't mean anything to the wrestlers and, and sometimes not to the wrestling, the, the the females either, obviously. So, yeah, that's how we got talking about it. But, um, yeah, there was a story this week and I emailed it over to him. But that's really it. Um, Vince likes to do everything, like, very raw and off the cuff. He likes it all. To, he likes to get your kind of real... He likes to have a real reaction to, to everything. So... And, and he's confident that the content will be better if it's done that way. And I feel like uh, Shawn Michaels might have some influence with uh, Adam Cole and Gargano backstage. I feel like uh, he might not like uh, Killer Cross. That might be Triple H's boy. That kind of thing. I don't know. You, you sense a little bit of it on TV. Yeah. Did you see the story this week? Do you know the story? A little bit because Vince was talking about it. Um, a little bit this week he mentioned how he's like oh there's something there with cole so i know you guys ha had talked about it yeah so i mean in a, in a nutshell the issue um because the issue is is that um adam cole when they, they don't have scripts on there they are trying to get people to to improve the way that they speak so it's a lot it's a very it's a bullet pointed format which is surprising because when you get to the main roster it's script right. so the idea i would think would be to prepare yourself for for the next stage but it's not um it's very much more of a freestyle approach so uh he called cole a little man which cole didn't like cole ripped his entire act to pieces about how he needs the girl and the pyro and the entrance and and all they need to do about him cole is ring the bell so cross went off on cole backstage uh, as a punishment cross was sent to main event without his entrance so they stripped him of everything that makes carrying cross what adam cole said makes carrying cross there was no punishment for adam cole um and this was done in a way to show cross that um you do need all of this stuff because this is what it looks like without us giving letting you have your wife uh, girlfriend out there and without us giving you the cool entrance and everything so people the dirt sheets didn't pick up on that as a as a punishment because obviously um what was his name bronson reed was sent on the same trial and it was a trial, but it was no, there's no justifiable reason to do that trial without the entrance and everything like that. So that was, that was the story in terms of them punishing Cross. But the, 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 the background of that is, is that this wasn't Cross's first issue. There's been backstage heat on Cross for a while because the, the, the feeling is uh, that he's quite moody and he's a little bit paranoid 
in terms of um, Scarlett Bordeaux and the fact that she knows all of the guys in the back uh, and she has worked in more promotions than, than Cross and has had like relationships with others. And some instances, she's had some very personal relationships with some of the guys. But the problem is, is that Cross cannot work out who it is. So around him, the atmosphere is often described as frosty. Um, and Vince didn't know what that word, what that meant, but it's not, mm. it's not, it's not warm. It's basically, you know, there's, there's, there's some friction there with, with, with cross and certain guys. And, you know, it's highly speculated that one of the guys that she'd been with before was, was Seth Rollins, but what he can't work out in, and he's around a lot of people all the time is who's talking to my girlfriend who knows my girlfriend in that way, in an intimate way. Mm. And that is causing an issue because she does know everybody. And he, so you've got a girlfriend who knows all the boys, talks to them, you know, banters around with them. There has been some history uh, with certain ones, that, uh, but, he, but he doesn't know the full story on, on all of those. So, um, yeah, and obviously Vince, Vince Russo added his element to it where he goes, and they'll be playing on that and the boys will be winding him up and, you know, and the, and the, the management will be testing him. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's Russo's take on it where he thinks that this is an explosive situation where the, they'll they'll really test him with that and that was the other thing I got it was like where it was said to me is like look this guy's got big plans which is why he's not being punished with uh, any losses on television or anything like that but when it comes to the main roster Vince McMahon is not going to push a 35 year old with paranoia issues so they they are going to actually test him with all this stuff. They are going to be then childish self that WWE are with backstage things. Uh, we've already seen people like Johnny Gargano saying things like um, "you're not that talented" and, and and throwing in these these kind of lines and digs. And yeah, he's just going to have to. He'll be on top on NXT, but he's going to have to eat a lot of shit, and he's going to have to have his temperament tested. Even stuff like uh, a few month uh, a few weeks ago. We saw Austin Aries walk into a room, and she's all she's often very covered up. But we saw a few weeks ago where she had her boobs pushed up to her neck, and uh, in, a, in a different kind of outfit. And he went, "Whoa, those are huge!" And he goes, and he walked up to her and pulled up her hand, and it was her nails. She had like huge nails. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, and it, and it was kind of like, and then and then uh, Johnny Gargano pulled him away. He goes, "Don't touch her. Stay away from her. Stay away from her. You don't want to talk to her." And we sort of dissected that as being them taking the mick out of, uh, or taking the mick. Is that American? Can you say taking the mick? No. What is that? Taking, taking the mick. Um, mocking. mocking. Okay. Yeah. Mocking cross in terms of his backstage interview, in terms of, uh, you know, how guys do like go wow about her. And then how one guy got pulled away and got told not to talk to her. Uh, because she's with Cross, and we sort of mirrored that to say, are they mocking the real life, you know, the real life tension in this segment? So, I mean, a lot of that is speculation. I mean, that's what me and Vince like to do. We like to, we do a whole show where we have stories and then we speculate on how they may go, how, what may happen next, um, you know, the, 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 his, his writer's take on things. So, yeah, that's the cool thing about the nitty gritty dirt show. But over on the datasheets.com is just a place where I write the stories. So give us all the uh, all the other locations because you got podcasts on a poll, you got dirty sheets, you got lock betting, you got your sports gambling. Give us uh, you know all you, all your plugs. 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I work on the sports gambling podcast. Uh, I work on the on the one of the umbrella podcasts, actually, the soccer gambling podcast. Um, originally, I was on the sports gambling podcast, and they had loads of sports on there. But their their growth has been so phenomenal in the last three years that they're now breaking off individual sports into their own podcast. So I'm I'm the I'm the host of the soccer gambling podcast. Uh, all the soccer shows will be done by me. I also host the fight show. Um, which is still actually on the Sports Gambling Podcast. There has been no breakaway combat sports channel as of yet. But yeah, I do the fight show uh, this weekend. I picked Dustin Poirier to easily beat Conor McGregor, and he did. Um, I know he broke his foot, but he was never winning that fight no. if he came out for round two anyway. I actually even think the, the round might have been 10-8, to be honest. Um, so um, so yeah, I, I do the fight show, the Soccer, ga- the, the soccer Gambling Podcast. Off the back of that, I have LockBetting.com, which is where I sell all my uh, betting picks for each month. I have 98 months in a row of Transparent Track Profits. So I've never had a losing month in eight years. Um, I've, wow. always, I've always made a profit every single month. This is tracked via spreadsheets. If you go to my Twitter account, which is at SGP Soccer, the pinned tweet is always the spreadsheet from the last month. So you have to think. I use Patreon as my site. All of my clients are there. The comments are on. They're not off. We have all the comments on. Uh, we have all the obviously. We have people have the ability to tweet me. There's no, there's no way I could fake my my profit for these spreadsheets or what I put on there. Obviously, there would be some very angry clients, or there would be clients disputing, you know, the spreadsheets and whatnot. That so that doesn't happen. I don't have any. I don't give myself a window to lie. So yeah, I genuinely have 98 months of transparent track profit, and you can look at the pin tweet over at SGP Soccer, or you can go to lockbetting.com and look at all of the previous P&Ls. Um, I do my wrestling news at thedirtysheets.com. That's why I write it up. And um, I'm not going like, to lie to you. There is honestly around about six or seven stories that go up a month on that Patreon page, but they are all correct. If it goes up on there, it will happen, or it has happened, or the, or the backstory behind it is correct. So it's not this dirt sheet thing of four or five stories a day. It's not a dirt sheet alternative. Uh, if you want to read dirt sheet bullshit, go on the dirt sheets and get your fill of 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 lies and speculation and non-stories. But I have six, seven, maybe more, maybe less of, of real things that really do happen and will happen. Uh, and also like betting packages for wrestling and UFC on there as well. Uh, podcastonapole.com is the podcast on a poll Patreon page. That's where so you get podcasts and a poll on iTunes comes out every month. As I said, uh, July is coming out this weekend and August will come out next month. So it comes out always on the same day as the WWE pay-per-view that month. So the idea is to listen to podcasts and a poll that day and then obviously watch the pay-per-view in the evening. Um, but podcastonapole.com is where we have the exclusive podcast. So that's where we do the, um, the, the spotlight profiles. So we do an entire podcast on Vader on Ultimate Warrior, on Sid, on Linda McMahon, on The Undertaker, on Shawn Michaels, on Randy Savage, uh, this month on Ahmed Johnson. So that's where we do that. And all of those individual podcasts about those individual people, where Vince talks extensively about his experience with these people, is at podcastinapoll.com. Uh, I also do a bonus show with my colleague, Cav, where we um, we fill people in on what WCW were doing against the WWF on Raw. So sometimes we don't go too deeply into that. Um, The reason we did that extra show is because Vince actually uh, dispelled one of my theories that I always thought 
that um, they would watch Nitro. I even thought that Nitro was on while Raw was on in the back or whatever. And Vince actually told me that's complete bullshit. He said that he hardly ever watched Nitro and uh, it certainly wasn't on in the back. So yeah, so that whole theory that we were kind of going to build podcasts in a poll off where it'd be like, we would talk about Raw, but then we would also talk a little bit about WCW. The whole idea initially for the concept was to turn around and go, well, you're doing this and WCW doing this. What do you think about it? And Russo is very much like, I didn't pay any attention to them at all. So that's why we, me and Cav have done this extra show over on podcastandapoll.com where we do give you the comparison of Raw and WCW. So that's kind of partially what the show was originally meant to be with Vince. But um, I think if anybody's listened to it, you know we don't need it to be that. Um, you're getting enough insight in terms of what was on WWF Raw without needing his opinion on what the opposition were doing. It does, it's not necessary. So me and Cav cover that. And um, the last thing is the Dirty Sheets. That's where me and Cav do our show every two weeks on iTunes. And uh, my son's Instagram is uh, at Austin's Toys and Games, where you can have a look at the um, the toys and things that we do have up in, in, in the place. It's, it's not just uh, wrestling stuff either. It's other things that we have as well. He's actually just got um I'm putting my camera over here, my light over here. If you can see this in this uh... you see this um karate? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, they, so those two were signed by the two guys. They were supposed to come over to the UK, but everything has been cancelled. So the, uh, the 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 guy kind of offered us to send our stuff in to see if people wanted to send their stuff in onto the Cobra Kai set. And see if we would sign it there instead. So it's not the same. Like we'd rather have met these people um, because that's been my favourite film since I was a kid, um, and my kid my kid loves it as well now. But yeah, that wasn't to be. So yeah, but we still got that that stuff signed. But um, but yeah, so all all of that is up on at to Austin's Toys and Games on Instagram, and I think that's it. I don't I don't think I missed anything out. I think you got it all. Podcast on the pole, nitty, nitty gritty dirt show, lock betting, soccer gambling. Yeah, well, yeah nitty gritty dirt all. show is right here. Are you in the same packages as nitty gritty? Like they, they have your show, do they get our show? Is that so? Some of mine. So uh, some of them, like Dr. Tom, I do that's on Patreon with yours. Um, Dutch, I think, is on yours on Patreon, Dutch Mantel. But this show, which, where this will be airing, it will be on Realm and Russo's brand. So, You're right. It's interesting. I actually said to Vince, I said, like, not because I'm bored of doing my show with Vince, but I look at the 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 people on there and I said to him, like, you know, just throw me in with some other people. Like, I think, you know, I've done my first year on the brand. I think now, like, I'd like to do things like this and go on other people's shows. Yeah. I like I like talking to Disco. I've never had a I've never had a long conversation with Ben Hameen. I think that would be so interesting. Uh Stevie Richards, uh the beautiful people. Yeah, I just want to like mix it up now and just sort of do like a little, yeah. little world tour of uh, of idea, the brand. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think he'll he'll sort that out for me this this uh, this this year. Nice, great idea. But uh, Billy, thank you uh, so much for all the time today. Really appreciate it. And everybody, all check right. out the Dirty Sheets and podcast on a poll for sure, and lock betting, of course. Yeah, thank thanks. you. Cheers. Thanks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. 
two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.